I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the gang, the one you never asked to be a part of. You are listening to the Grief Gang podcast, the show dedicated to breaking down the topic of grief. One conversation at a time with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. Welcome, welcome, welcomes to this week's episode. This week, today, I am talking all things pet loss. Um, even just saying it makes me sad. Pet loss, it has been a topic that I have wanted to talk about for a while on the podcast, to be honest. Um, but again, to be totally honest, I have been a little bit worried too because of the mess that I would be. And I, I was a mess, which you're about to um, find out in the next probably 30 plus minutes of this episode. Um, to share with you what my relationship is towards uh, towards and with pet loss, um, I'm going to share with you today the story of how we lost our family dog Jasper of 13 years in 2020, and how it's actually yeah kind of like taken me two years to actually, I guess, pluck up the words and just I guess sit with it for a bit to actually talk about it and um the pure grief like the new wave and different level and just your different grief that came up with it and it totally debilitated me so I take you back to those kind of first couple of weeks after he died and the real um the real throwback it did to me uh once once he died of how it took me back to old familiar feelings of when mum died and I really compared the two losses, though, you know, we shouldn't do that. But I just take you on the journey of it all in this episode. It's a, it's a very snotty, a snotty recount, I'll tell you that. I also asked you, the Grief Gang community, to share your stories of your lovely pets, whatever they are, amphibian, dog, reptilian. Um, and you so kindly did uh, stick around towards sort of the end of the episode where I'll be sharing these stories. They're so beautiful but heartbreaking at the same time. 
pet loss and grief is real guys it really is real and it shouldn't be undermined it is such a painful experience and one to be taken quite seriously um you know these little beings whatever they are are huge parts of our daily lives or our routine so of course when they die it's just going to rock our world um so at the end of this episode i'm sharing some useful resources for you to turn to if this is your experience happy listening Hello, 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 and welcome to the pet loss episode. Oh, I feel emotional already. Um, yes, today I'm going to be talking and sharing all things pet loss. And pet loss is a loss that is very unrecognized, but yet so common. You know, many, many a house, I was not going to go with like, everybody has a pet. Because um, some people were like never allowed them as children or just don't actually like them. Fair enough. A lot of people have had pets in their lives, whether you know you started off with a little hammy. God, I remember my little. Tell you what, guys, I, I can't lie, I've been through some pets. We had Mr. Buns, he was a white albino. Oh, the hammies. I think it was City and Sweep. We had City and Sweep the hamsters. Never forget coming home after school and finding one like rock hard. Uh, we had a fish at a blip moment. I can't lie, couldn't take the name. And then we got Jasper, the little wee fluff ball that brings me to talk about this type of loss today, as well as all of your lovely little fluffies or reptilians, amphibians that we all might have lost when people very outwardly express their grief and their sorrow and their pain towards the death of a pet, potentially those who may never have had a pet might look and be like, sorry. And then it adds another weird layer, which we will hear a lot of from today from the grief gang community who have shared of losing a pet after you have lost a loved one, a human being as well, and kind of the difference between the two or like the way it may trigger one. So before I get into that, oh, I feel really weird. I feel really weird because I have, I've really never spoken about this on, I spoke about it obviously very briefly on the page when he did die and I kind of closed that like chapter, that box for quite a while. I'm going to go into the story of how our 13-year-old Bichon Frise, Jasper, died in July 7th, 2020. On oh, fucking hell, like it's, re- it's really hard actually to talk about and actually going back to that place because... It happened so quickly, and I'm I'm just going to go into it. So, like I said, we had our 
little Bichon Frise, Jasper, he was a Battersea boy. And for those who don't know what Battersea is, if you're from, you're listening from overseas, Battersea, it's a, it's a dog's home, like a rehoming dog's home. And it's a, like one of the largest re, rehoming um, of dogs and cats actually now. I was in year seven when we got him. We never had a dog before. So we had, you know, the, you know, the, the pet cemetery of the hamsters and the bunnies and the fish, but we never had, you know, like a, a a big pet that required you know like real responsibilities like it is in your face it's there and I'll never forget we went to Battersea Dogs Home one Sunday it was me my mum and my dad when um my parents were still together and I think we just went on a browse we went on a browse of just like oh you could just roll in is the one in Old Windsor anyone knows it big up um and you could just go in and browse and just like look at a dog and kind of be like I want to reserve that one. And that was it. And we were walking through and there was like all these different kind of dogs in between like the kennels of these two, like huge, huge staffies and rotties and Rottweilers was this dainty, white, fluffy thing. And we were like, eh? And we played and cooed with him and uh, me and dad lived each other. We were like, we love him, don't we? And it was actually mum that needed the convincing to get him. And it's funny how things play out because she ended up being the favourite and she was the more resistant one in the early days. She was like, you won't bloody walk him. You won't fucking feed that dog. And this is, and I were like, you, me and dad were like just two kids. Like, yeah, yeah, of course we will. Of course we will, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, doing anything to get this dog. He fast became mum's bestie the favorite child out of us all they went on adventures together she would take him on the longest walks all these different places he was such a little cuddle muffin like he loved to sit like in the nooks and crannies of you like wedged in between like the crease of your knees or in your elbow he just loved to be close so obviously when mum died um even like I remember the night she went into the hospital on the Friday, he would, Jasper had a tendency that if we all went in the house, he would like wait down at the the foot of the stairs for us all until like he, he just knew like when all of his people were in. So when it would be like me, my brother and mum, like he'd just know, like he'd do like a head cut, like we're all in our bedrooms and then he'd go and tuck himself under mum's bed and he'd just be like, you know, all my people are here and stuff. And so the night when mum stayed in the hospital, the night obviously before she died, he sat at that footwell of that stairs all night. Bless him. He sat there all night, like whining. And I tried to like coerce him upstairs, like, oh, come here, come on, let's go to bed now. And he just would not leave that, that footwell of that stairs, waited by that front door all night in his bed. So then your mum dies the next day, the next morning, we go back home and for days and days on end, he still stayed at the footwell of that stairs waiting every night for her to come home. And then when she moved to the chapel of rest, we decided then that we were going to take him there. We took him in there and he was kind of like sniffing the floor and then we picked him up and like kind of hovered him over a coffin and he had a little sniffer, you know. And he just lost his shit and like squealing, like wanting to be put down. That was like, oh God, can't do it. Like the dog is grieving. Like he's immediately grieving, shit in hell. As obviously life moved forward, this little fluff ball was like my confidant, my little Bessie who I 
would sit in the garden with throughout that whole summer of 2016 and just like talk to the stars with him and like talk to mum and be like our mum's up there and he'd look at me like (laughs) and like I'd cry and cry and cry into his fluffy little coat and just like the days when I had not felt like there was nothing to get up for there was this little fluffy thing that completely relied on not only mine and my brothers you know dependent is dependent on us to get up to feed him to walk him to nurture him and so he was our get up and go and then even on the days when like really couldn't like fathom even going out we are a little snuggle monster just the weight on that little doggy's shoulders was so immense and oh he saved my life in so many more ways than one just you know even when he would scratch at me to be like come on let's go out like I need a piss I need a poo and like taking him out for like long walks even though in the moment I felt like I really didn't want to do it just having having that opportunity to go and like clear my head on these long long dog walks with him was just it always was the best medicine and we'd always kind of sit down especially in the summer like when it was lovely and sit down and have a little stroke give him a little drink and just sit and take stock in it and it was the perfect remedy I, I hopped him up and we moved over to to where we are now with our dad and had a new change of scenery and life and he although he was getting older you know we just always thought I, I think as people do like you know you may think with like older relatives or friends or you know and older people if you think oh they're just gonna live forever like they're just gonna live forever they're not gonna die and that's how I think we felt with Jasper of just like Oh, he's never going to die. Like, oh, he'll be here when I have kids. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Oh, he'll be here when I get married. Like, he'll be the page boy. Just, you just think they're infinite. And then, you know, even in his old age, so yeah, he was he was 12, he died just shy of 13, I think. Oh, so yeah, um... He didn't, he wasn't slowing down. And I think that's the part that was so heartbreaking about it all, just because, and I'll go into more of like what his death was. And there's still many a question marks over it, to be honest. And uh, he just never, he slowed down like a, a tad. And like we couldn't go for like really long walks, like the, the three hour kind of walks we would go around, like walking around like the Great Park. Like, and he still have energy afterwards. Like he, um, he kind of got a bit tired then, but in terms of his madness, like any of my friends or anyone who knew him, like who listened, they were like, that fucking dog was mad. Like 
when this like illness and this just turn of events happened, it was just such a shock because we're like, this just isn't our dog. And so eventually what happened with our, our little darling was very randomly. And it was, it was a me, it was about a couple of days after mum's oh, fourth or fifth anniversary, one of the fucking anniversaries. Oh God, the years all mold into one, don't they? Um, it was after one of our anniversaries, so it was like mum's June 25th and it was probably about like June 27th or 28th. He, he started then sleeping under my bed, that was our routine, and I just had him really coughing, cough, cough, coughing, and then I looked down, I could see a little speck of blood and immediately took him, I think we had a vet appointment, a routine vet appointment, like flea and worming, and I, I called them up and I said, I think he needs to come in sooner, like he's coughing up a bit of blood. So we took him in. She did some checks, did some like external checks and uh, she was like, can't really see anything like externally. We can do an x-ray and see anything comes up like could be a stomach flip, could could have eaten something. And she was like, could he have been poisoned? And I was like, oh my God. But then on reflection, Jasper did have a tendency. It's, it's long to explain, but basically our garden at my dad's was, it was a bit like an open one. So we'd open the front door and he'd go around to the side of it. But then Jasper had a tendency to, instead of turning the side that he should go, he would turn the other way and go foraging into the neighbor's bins somehow, acting a feral little beast. Like we didn't feed him. The dog was fed copious amounts we were like you should put us to shame like you they're gonna think we don't feed you we overfeed you i did especially jesus so then i started thinking oh my god yeah what if he actually has like ingested something from there but there's just so many question marks and then she's just like right, we'll do an x-ray so she did but he was so becoming so feeble and it was just it was really drastic really really drastic and then he wasn't eating and then he would eat like give him like boiled chicken you know like finding all the stuff that wouldn't upset his stomach too much and just like quite you know cleansing and just give him the nutrition that he needed like boy yeah boiled chicken uh egg whites um all this stuff like I was on furloughed from my job at this point so I'm so grateful that I was because oh it, it was just awful and it just yeah he was getting more and more feeble and less energetic and didn't even want to go on a walk he loved his walks and it was just so bad we were just like something is happening here and the, and the vets were saying you know we can't pinpoint what it is but we do think he is dying and just you know we'll put him on some tablets try to give him tablets and he was taking them but then he was throwing up so he was throwing them back up again it was just honestly hell on earth and then like little pockets of him would come back again and then he'd go it was just oh it was fucking awful it was one it was one afternoon his his bottom this they started some bots and blood started to come out of his bottom and immediately took him back to the vet and they checked and they said you know we can't see it could be a scratch we were like no like we really there's there are so many question marks here guys probably listening being like oh and why didn't you battle more and like i look back now and i totally do kick myself of like should have fought more but in a way you know like you trust these people you trust the vet and you trust them that I watched him do what he needed to do with his bottom and like really give a good go. And uh, like, it wasn't the thing of like, you know, he wasn't doing it, but I just thought, yeah, should I have pushed? Like, tell me more. What does it mean? You know, I, so yeah, took him to the vet, brought him home. And I remember I had to nip out to a friend's birthday and I made sure that like I crossed over with my dad coming home so that he wasn't alone between me going so we literally like crossed over 
I go out to this old friend's birthday and within about an hour and a half, dad calls me and goes, Amber, I think it's happening. The moment that I leave him, he decides now, he decides now. And then again, upon reflection and hindsight, as they say, isn't it, even with people, sometimes they slip away when nobody is there and you think why and then you kick yourself off like why didn't I stay like I'm so stupid even going to the toilet you know or anything you could be gone for a second and they pick their moment and that's what I have to take comfort in a little bit is that I think he took his moment and dad said what it well when I speak to my dad now about it now so I mean Joe we jetted it home and the time we got back it was too late he'd already died and dad I said what after the days after I was like what happened he said I was just in the kitchen here just doing the washing up and like peering back and having a little look at him and he was just in his bed laying in his bed I had a blanket on him and then um he came to check him again and he said his breathing was really really slowed down and he said he slipped away then he was stroking him and telling him how much he loved him and he just slipped away then and I just thought, oh, you little bugger, you knew, you knew that if we were there to see that, it would have, and it did break our heart into a million pieces. But to actually witness it, oh my gosh, I'll never forget, like, like on the way back home, like calling my brother and being like, you need to come, like he's, he's going, he, like our boy, he's going. And we all got there and like I burst through the front door and like just dropped down to the floor to his little bed and stroked him and he was just like obviously you know so cold to touch but just looked like he was sleeping that was the part it looked like he was sleeping and um we we're all there and and joe's on the phones like the emergency out of office vets and just asked like you know like what on earth do we do now and they said oh, i'll never forget this actually made me laugh at the moment they were like well because in my head, I was thinking, like, I need I need a professional to actually confirm that he's dead. Like, although I am touching his pulse and, like, he's very cold to touch, I just still don't believe that he's died. And so she was like, you can, you can bury him in the garden. And I was like, what? I was like, what do you mean I can bury him in the garden? And then she was like, you can bury him in the garden or you can bring him here and we can cremate him and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I think I need you to confirm that like he's actually dead. And so we did. We all clamber into Joe's car and drive to the out of hours veterinary, veterinary, whatever it is. And this is obviously peak COVID times now. This is June, July 2020. So we had to go there. We couldn't go into the vet they had to come out and meet us to like collect him and I remember I remember because we just had no idea what to do in this situation and so we she came out and then she went to like we handed her him in his bed like all bundled up and then she went to take him away and she was just like hey and then like here's like she's like talking about the procedure and I was like oh hang on like we haven't really said goodbye yet like I'm so glad I did in that moment because I think I would have kicked myself if I never did I was like we haven't really said like goodbye yet like it's all been a bit chaos like we've just got here like can we have a minute to like say goodbye with him and just sit with him and she was like of course so she took him in and just like because there was like a bit of blood on the towels and stuff and so she took him in, wrapped him up in a clean one and brought him out. Oh my God, he just looked like this little cocoon, this little baby boy. He, he looked like a puppy again. That was the weirdest part. He looked like a puppy. He didn't look like an old boy. He looked like he looked like a puppy. And he came out and oh, we were cradling him and 
loving him and telling him how much of a best boy in the world he was. Like proper Marley and me scenes, right, guys? Like, God, like you wouldn't believe. Like tell him like you were the best boy, like you've been the best, most loyal boy ever. And then for my brother, he went, oh, there's someone who's, you know, there's someone really, really special, ready to see you again. And I know you've missed each other a lot. Oh, and as you can imagine, as it's sending me now, it absolutely sent me then as well, because that was probably like the only like comforting thing that in that moment and even now was like, oh, at least he gets to go back with mum. Like the two best friends are reunited again and they're thick as thieves and they're up to fucking mischief wherever they are, being naughty and her slipping him like a half a scone underneath the table or some shit. And that was the only piece, but absolutely broke my heart. Cause I just thought, oh, I don't want him to go. He was my little, my little dude, my little bestie. And we let him go and they cremated him and they sent his ashes back. And we've still got them on the mantelpiece and still need to get rid, not get rid of them. That's so mean or insensitive, but like do something with them. And just, oh, it's honestly, as you can see, God, if this is going to be chosen for the snippet, this is awful of me. Good Lord. One of the most painful experiences ever. And I actually don't care if anybody thinks like your mum literally died, Amber, and you're telling that this is one of the, yeah, it absolutely was. I tell you now, right, that week after I, I, again, like I said, I'm so thankful that I was on furlough because I would have actually had to have called in sick for the whole week. Whereas with my mother, I went back to work the Thursday after she died on the Saturday. I didn't even take a week. I think actually some of those days in between that, my mum dying and me going back to work were actually like my scheduled days off. So really I actually did not take, I probably took about three days bereavement leave after my mum died with this dog. I was bed bound. I tell you now, I remember for days afterwards walking down the stairs and like seeing his dog bowl and just honestly buckling to the floor, seeing his little collar, his leash, anything would trigger me. Like it was trigger central. It was so, so bad. I just, I couldn't compose myself. I could not compose myself. I would honestly wail like I could feel, oh, it was, oh. And um, it took me a long while to get out of that funk. I can't lie. I remember like being like, I don't even want to see any of the dogs. And then I, and then a couple of like months after I was like, I just want to be around dogs. <laughs> so like all my friends had dogs. I was like, please come over or let me come over to you and just hug your dog um, and walk your dog and feed your dog. Like I was just obsessed. It's been, you know, we are a dog family and we love them, but the journey of like potentially getting another one has been so hard. Like I have recently just moved out of of the home with my dad and me and my partner were renting at the moment until we buy next year. But we always sort of said like, oh, like when we move out, like we're going to go and get a dog. Like we are totally going to go and get a dog. And then actually now like, and when I was, when I was living at my dad's, I said, oh dad, come on, let's get one. Let's get one. And he was like, just no, no dog is ever going to be like Jasper there, Amber. And I was like, I was like, of course they're not going to be. And then I was really resistant with him and like, stop it. Like you're, you're not letting us like be happy or like we can get a dog and be happy. And like, it's not replacing him. It's just, you know, we're getting a little dude and blah, blah, blah. Another little, another little friend. He's just like, no. And then now I've moved out and like, I'm like, God, yeah, it is. Like we just always have that in the back of our head of, 
oh, well, they'll never be Jasper, they will then. I know that's mean and it's not like, you know, to live in there in the light of them. But when you've had, when you have had such a, you are like, cure. what a great dog. It still breaks my heart and probably will for like the rest of my days I think and it and it brought up that, those real uh that week after it felt so familiar obviously with mum and the feeling of like just the despair and the sorrow and the actually like not being able to control your emotions at all of just like honestly I would see the collar and I would try but my bottom lip would be like and I just I couldn't hold it back and it just took me took me back in time to when mum died of just when I couldn't control it and like it was threatening it was really if I remember just that's the word that just really came to my mind then I've just like it felt really threatening of just like oh my fucking god I'm back here again um and I don't know how long I'm going to be here it was tough. It was tough. And I'm not about to sit here and start giving a case of what was worse, your mom or your dog. Like, it's, they're two completely different losses. Like, it's not, but they were both fucking awful. And I can say that the death of our pet, our family, was absolutely horrific. And it was something that I did take very seriously. I remember kind of not playing it down. I think that's because of just the line of work that I do obviously with here with grief gang and just, you know, being, I don't know, a bit more tune in tune with like, like validating, like whatever, whatever kind of grief or like the feeling of grief comes up for anything. So I was like, yeah, no, this, this really important being an individual in my life is now gone. Yes. He might not speak on glaze and yes, he might have four legs, but he meant a lot to me and still does. So I am feeling, I'm feeling this hole in my life. And because he gave me such routine as well, that was another really disrupting part of, like I said earlier, my routine was get up, walk the dog, feed him. Da, da, da. So when I'd be getting up after those weeks after, like I could just lay in like, it was nice, but like, I remember by, bang on, honestly, like 7am every morning, I'd feel the little scratch at my bed and like, I'm like, I know you want your breakfast, you want your breakfast. And he would go and go and go until I got up. And so like, even, even the things that annoyed you were gone, still missed them. And so like things like that, and just being able to get out every day on a walk, like having a reason to get up and get out was really, really tough. And having to just do that myself, like go for myself, be like, get up you lazy bitch and go out for a walk. Like, whereas my dog would be like, get up you lazy bitch. So that's my story. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, I'm now going to just share. So a couple of, a couple of weeks ago before a couple of weeks before this comes out, I put a call out on the grief gang community, just asking if anybody had experienced this as well, the loss of any form of pet and just, just to share if they just wanted to share, you know, their, their little, their little pet or an experience of what like pet loss means to them and how they navigate through it. And then at the end of the episode in the outro, I will be sharing some just like resources that have been shared with me and that I've seen over the years at Grief Gang, um, that deal and support and assist with pet loss. So let's have a little read through, honestly, this, this mock-up like podcast room is awful. Let's see. Some are just like short and sweet, just wanting to share. Some are like actual like reflections and stuff like that. Lost my first ever dog back in 2019 and it truly felt like a part of me was going with him. 
He was there when my dad and brother was alive and died. So he was a staple in our lives. Totally relate to this. Dogs slash pets are so underrated. And I wish people knew how much they truly mean to us uh, as as. Uh, truly mean to us as owners so when he died it was like losing a relative all over again I will forever cherish him and his memory truly lives on it is also soothing to know he is back with my brother and dad too yeah exactly like I said earlier there's only a bit of comfort of knowing that they're reunited we lost our dog in May he was 15 and a half after the loss of my dad and Nana in August last year Oh, he's oh, he's a Jasper. He's a Jasper too. I actually remember writing back this one saying, "My boy's a Jasper." Jasper's death hit us like a ton of bricks. Not only does it bring back all the feelings, it's such a huge change to routine. We spent fifteen and a half years worrying about who will be home to feed the dog, who will look after him when we're away, etc. And then all of a sudden, that changed. I still can't go to my mum's house without looking for him. The only comfort is that we know he had his two best mates. My nana was known as Nanny Sandwich because if she came to let him out for a wee during the day, she always stopped at the bakery and brought him a sandwich or sausage roll, (laughs) waiting to see him. My mum is adopting a new dog who arrives next weekend, but we've bought her all new things because it doesn't feel right to give her Jasper stuff pets are absolutely family members and they are often the only constant through huge life changes we lost our darling girl in may of this year kitten was 14 years old but was so young at heart that it was a complete shock when we lost her so suddenly my husband and i adopted her after my mum died and she helped me through the tumultuous time of being an adult orphan she was there for me through the hurdles of grief and refused to leave my side when i was bereft after the loss of our baby in april when she died I was inconsolable but felt I had to go to work as there is such a thought process around the death of a pet outside of working I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep I would just sit at home drifting between hot sobs and complete zombie grief trances she had helped me through my grief so many times and I was so utterly unprepared with trying to navigate these feelings without her I still think of her often and feel my bottom lip quiver she gave us the light in the dark and I miss her terribly oh we lost our best boy over Easter this year and it's been so so tough I miss him so much. His nose marks are forever on the windows because I just can't face cleaning them off. My husband told me when my dad met our dog for the first time that you don't ever get long enough with them. So make the most of the time you have. And it really stayed with him. Two years later, dad was gone. And nearly six years later, after our dog died, was when my husband told me about their conversation. The last will and testament of a dog is something that really helped me and we recently adopted a girl puppy who was helping us heal. We both still get teary remembering him but at least we can at least smile too. When we lost our boy Kev it brought up so many feelings around losing my dad. He literally came at a time when I needed him most. We got the call to meet him in the evening of the day of my dad's funeral. Wow. Really think my dad sent Kev to us. When we had to put him to sleep almost a year ago, unexpectedly, it broke me. I signed off for six weeks, two months into my new job, diagnosed with depression and anxiety and put on medication because life was fucking tough. I'm so happy to have his little face on my arm forever though. This is the part like it literally can break you and so people, they don't understand it. I lost my cat Ziggy in 2017. I've kept a jacket that has claw marks from where he used to sit around my shoulders. I grew up with him. We got him when I was about eight. 
I'd come home from school and give him food from my lunchbox. Remember, I remember the shock when I realized he wasn't well. I came back from the holiday and he was hiding and fell into my arms. As we drove to the vet with him wrapped in towels, he was reaching for kisses and cuddling into me. Feels silly, but I feel like he was trying to say goodbye. It's not silly. And that it was okay. I held his paw while he purred as he went to sleep at the vets. For a long time, I thought I'd see glimpses of him after that. That's a part as well. Like you feel like you can see them out of the corner of your eye. Oh. My parents moved house only a few weeks later and I'd see little black cat-like shadows out of the corner of my eye yet. I still miss him. He was my best friend, especially when I moved school and didn't have other friends. I still cry for him, but I know he had the absolute best life. I lost my cat in January 2021, almost nine years to the day that I got her. I live alone, so she was my COVID buddy during the pandemic and often the only interaction I'd have with anyone for weeks at a time. She was my companion and true fur baby. The vet thinks she was 18 to 20 years old and I knew she was slowing down but didn't expect to lose her. For months after, it felt like I would still see her in my peripheral vision or hear her meow and still forget she's and still forget she's no longer here when I come home, and no one greets me at the door. She always came to say hello when I got home. I miss her tremendously. Pet and pet loss is most certainly a hard grief journey to manage. I just hope sunset will wait for me at the Rainbow Bridge. Oh. I lost my first boy, Boo, in 2018, and my queen, Keeks, in March. And today, my husband's family had had to be put to sleep. My dogs are family dogs, so they were my brothers and sisters. All three of them passing was a complete shock. None showed no real sign of being poorly and deteriorated so quickly. I then lost my nan this July, four months after we lost Keeks, and I don't think I've really dealt with so much loss in such a short amount of time. Losing my dogs was one of the hardest things I've ever been through. I felt so much guilt because I'd moved out of my family home when they both passed. I felt like I hadn't spent enough time with them and still to this day have so many regrets with them, especially Keeks. It hurts so much and some people just aren't bothered about your loss. Thank you for covering this subject. It's so important. Our relationships with our animals are different to humans. They often share the most intimate parts of our lives, become part of our routine, our daily wellness, belonging and purpose and enrich our lives beyond measure. Can never recall a difference of opinion or fallout with them. When we lost our golden Labrador of 10 years last year, it destroyed me for six months. I couldn't cope and unearthed a lot of displaced childhood trauma that had that he'd helped me through superficially. Thank you for raising pet loss and looking to do a feature. I think it's often an overlooked grief. This one's a long one, but I loved it. This is the last one. Amber, I think we might be cosmically linked. Love that. In the cosmics. My sister and I relate so hard to everything you post. Our mum died in 2016, followed by the 22-year-old family dog just after. Our mums were so similar, ways, music, taste, style. They even have the same fairy rabbit on their graves. I love when I read this message. I cried so many tears for that dog. I sat on my sister's kitchen floor holding his body, sobbing and begging out loud for my mum to send some kind of sign that we'd done the right thing. He was physically okay for his age, but his temperament had changed drastically, possibly due to pain. I came to realise in the days after that I was crying for the best dog ever, but also because I'd lost the last living link to my mum and also for me for having to make the first adult decision that would have been my mum's. Oh my God, that is so... 
it's so true that of like, yeah, I think if, if mum was here, like she would have made the decision or like mum, because there, there was a conversation at one point with Jasper of like, you know, you may have to put him down. And I was just like, that's a fucking big decision to make. Like, I just don't know. And kind of who, who signs off on that? Gosh. Yeah. And I'd, and I'd have trusted her. She'd have been there with me instead of be, me being alone on the kitchen floor. We lost pets prior to mum dying and felt broken hearted, but differently sad for their loss and a bit empty, but losing that dog after losing mum was off the scale. And like most things, I'll never feel the same again. I'm terrified of anyone dying, including my lovely whippy dog, because I know how hard it is and what I'll have to go through again. Terrifying. That I think too is also another thing that may play, especially for me and for other people is the fear of actually having to go through that pain again. Like, I just don't know if I've got it in the tank. I don't know if I've got in the tank again to say goodbye to another little Furby. No. The lovely Growing a Good Life lost their dog yesterday and I cried. Oh, Growing a Good Life. Is that a podcast? Is that? Never met them or their dog, but I know their pain and I felt it for them a bit. Yeah, you feel it. But like the Queen too, actually cried for her and that really surprised me. Bit of Lizzie, bit of Lizzie there. Grief is hard. You do good work. Much love, your cosmic sisters. Thank you. Oh, no, sorry, one more last one. Uh, Hi, Amber. Love that you're talking about pet loss. Wanted to share my boy Frank with you. He passed away in 2021 at the grand old age of 18, less than a year after we lost mum suddenly to lung cancer. Mum adored Frank, and although he was our family dog, she was his special person, yeah. I didn't think losing a pet would hit so hard after losing mum, but it really did. The grief was just as strong. He was such a special boy and like a final connection to mum. I still cry looking at photos now. Oh, right. Well, that is it for this episode. Do stick around just for the outro as I will have a couple of resources just to share with you, varying from charities to Instagram accounts, um, just to help you if this is something that you are going through or have been through and would just like to see and, you know, have some like validation potentially um, an understanding of like it is totally normal and totally okay to be grieving for the loss of a pet. Um, I uh, totally, I think this is definitely, doing this episode today has definitely shown to me that I have packed away a lot of my grief for our little, little Furby, um, just because it was just so painful to go there, too, too painful to go there. But I'm kind of glad that in a way, this was kind of a topic that was requested in a bit. And it's kind of given me like, given me the validation to say, yeah, this is okay to talk about Amber and it's happened and it's true. And yeah, you don't have to feel silly about it because as well, my story and the stories that were just being shared there are a few of them there there were loads that came in so many that came in and just when I realized like wow this is clearly something that people have been wanting or needing to like have someone to say not saying that oh they needed me to come along and do it but you know someone to say like yeah this happens and this is really fucking painful and don't try and make me feel like an idiot for grieving the loss of my pet whatever that pet is so before I get angry, I don't know why I'm getting angry now. Um, I'm going to go stick around for the intro for resources. Big love. Oh, thank you so much for joining me this week and for tuning into today's episode. I'm sorry if you've got to the end of this episode and you were a snotty mess like I was. Um, it was it was it was a tricky one, wasn't it? Um, here are the resources that I said in the beginning that I would share with you if you are struggling, struggling, struggling with the death of a pet. These are at Pet Loss Community on Instagram, at 
pet loss psychologist on Instagram. The Blue Cross charity was raised to me a few times. They said that after the death of a pet, a few people had said that they were referred to Blue Cross and they were just absolutely brilliant. That is probably a UK resource. I, I, I'm not too sure if they are further afield. And lastly, at Pet Grief Letters on Instagram. So if you're struggling or you just want to have a, an intrigue as to what these kind of people are up to in the work they're doing, definitely check them out and give them a follow. Big, big, big love and see you next week. Thank you so much for being here for this season four. It's been, um, it feels like it's been going for ages and it kind of has been going for ages. I probably should wrap up this season soon. Um, but as always, thank you continuously for your support and your love and your input to all these episodes. I could not do this without you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.